Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network, sixth day of... Great movie. The sixth day. Arnold Schwarzenegger, we're back when we started. <laughs> Six years and we're back on the sixth day. Um, <laughs> we haven't heard your soundboard in a while. I just oh, realized that. I think I've got that on here. Keep talking and maybe I'll, I'll All right, it is, the, it is our Academy Awards sixth day... Um, yeah, it's yeah, a winner. No, just, uh, oh, close enough. <laughs> hang on, no, I've got it. I know I have it. God damn it, I should be paying more attention, but it's on six day. Keep, keep stalling people. The six day props, of the Oscar month. Props to Brendan Fraser. Props to Brendan Fraser. What a um, man. Um, <laughs> I know I have it on here for fuck's sake. I put it on here and I'm annoying the shit out of me. I'm reading all these. Oh, there we go. Say it again. Just. Uh, it is our sixth day. Yeah, we got there eventually. Of 2023 Oscar Best Picture week and a half. Um, and we are here to talk about the Fablemans, um, the Spielbergs. <laughs> Just what it is. The, the Vanity Project. The number one Vanity Project of 2022 that... Uh, I'm not even necessarily mad as a vanity project because maybe this is what Spielberg's been missing in the last decade of his career, not making many decent movies, is he needed to make some more movies loving on himself. Um, he's finally pulled it off. Just just nope. do a vanity project. This, this is how Ben finally peaked in his career. He did a vanity project. Now Spielberg... <laughs> I retired off my vanity project. I'm like, <laughs> Kill Bill 1, Kill Bill 2. I'll just stick to my documentaries now. I'm good. Yeah, just take a page out of the Ben Waterworth book. That's how you lead to success in life. Uh, my name is Colin, and my rabbi in New Jersey says a monkey in the house isn't kosher. And my name is Ben, and why did you get a monkey? I want to ask a question. Did Steve Spielberg's mother actually get a monkey? Is that part true? I don't know about that one. <laughs> um, I have to read it. But, I mean, this, this is interesting because um, – I had heard about this movie about a year ago. I mean, he had West Side Story that came out last year. Oh, that yeah. was one of the reviews Jamie actually joined me on. And I said on that, I'm like, you know, it's still not perfect, but it's probably the closest Spielberg's gotten to a good movie in 10 years. <laughs> and uh, you run through his filmography. You got a lot of movies where it's like, well, that was okay, but like, eh, still not quite there yet. And I think this movie, so many people said, like, this is Spielberg kind of back on his game. Uh, it almost feels like this is Spielberg's you know, final movie, although I don't think it is supposed to be. But this is like how a director goes out. I'm going to tell my own story about growing up. And, you know, I wasn't quite sure whether the movie would work because like, okay, is it a movie about a kid who wants to make movies? Is it a movie about family drama? What is it? And it's kind of both and everything, and it does work. Now, having said that, 
I have some major issues with how this movie ends, uh, which I won't spoil the endings, but we'll get there. But everything else about this movie was so much better than I expected it to be. And for a small drama, seeing this on the big screen was like a real experience. I mean, I don't, you obviously I didn't get to see it that way, but no. it's kind of a shame that not many people paid to see this one on a big screen because it was actually really worth it. Just to clarify, yes, Steven Spielberg's mother apparently actually really did buy a monkey. So uh, <laughs> that apparently is true. Um, yeah, like I'll just say just quickly on the ending, I had to look a lot of stuff up on that because I didn't like, because everyone, I, I saw something about, like, oh, the cameo at the end. And like, I didn't actually realize who that was until I re- read it about it. I'm like, oh, that's who that who the was. The actor or the character was? Well, both. <laughs> um, like, <Okay. laughs> uh, I mean, I knew the movies of the, the character. Like, I'd heard mm. of the movies, but I you know, obviously don't really pay much attention to older movies to know who the name of the director, but like the char- the actor who, well, not even an actor, the cameo of the person who plays that character. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that's what they look like. Cool. Um, but anyway, and but apparently it's true. That last scene apparently is, is very true. But um, yeah, like it's just, it's interesting this film because you're right. Like what is this about a, a boy wanting to make movies? Is it a, a family? And it, But it is kind of both. And it goes into what I was saying a few times now that there's so many simple movies mixed with like complicated movies. And I think this is very much on the simple movie, which is interesting for Steven Spielberg because it's just the way it's sort of told. And like I think I said yesterday about how, if you didn't know this was a vanity project of Steven Spielberg, it's just kind of an entertaining movie about a kid and his family. It's kind of a weird comparison, kind of a bit marriage story-esque where it's just, you know, literally, yeah. you know, just people living their life, arguing and stuff. And um, and it's just, it's it's interesting. And I think it's great acting. Paul Dano robbed. Um, again. And, and it's just, I, I loved kind of seeing, again, knowing this was Spielberg, like those things that he did to make those movies. Cause like, I mean, all jokes aside, would kill film that like, I legitimately loved making that. Like, and it's kind of, it's a fun process making, you know, shitty movies as a kid. Cause you think like, oh, I'm a Hollywood director. How am I going to do this? How am I going to make blood? I don't have budget. I can't do this. So you got to kind of work your way around it. You got to be smart and clever, which clearly I wasn't, but like you try to be at the time you think you're smart and clever. So like, I loved kind of watching the, the ways that Steven Spielberg, sorry, little Fableman would go out and do things. And then, just like school life and just everything about it just kind of was just entertaining. And then it was just heartbreaking and kind of you, you know, whereas there is like the whale, we talked about how you don't really like any character in that movie, even though it's a good performance here. You, you know, you sympathize. Like I did not want to sympathize with Michelle Williams character. Yeah. But you kind of do in certain elements, you know, and then Seth Rogen, same thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, Seth Rogen and Michelle Williams, not great characters in terms of what they do. But you do sort of sympathize with him. And then Paul Dano at one point, like, fuck, this guy's meant to be the bad guy? Why? Like, he hasn't done anything wrong. But then all of a sudden, there's this one scene which I fucking cried. And just, I felt so like, oh, my God, that's heartbreaking. So, yeah, it's, um, what's his face? Greg is in it. The last closing scene, J.J. Abrams' bestie. Uh, Greg Grunberg. Oh, yeah, Greg Grunberg. Yeah. There he is. Uh, <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, it was just entertaining. It's just, again, simple movie, entertaining and good yeah at no point is it boring and it's two and a half hours as well it's again it's a long movie yeah and it finds a way to tell a very long drawn out story that doesn't even necessarily seem connected all the time in a way that doesn't feel like oh this is just a biopic Mm. uh it it felt like if you wanted to sit down and write a fictional movie that it would have worked like this and i mean spielberg actually co-wrote this movie which he's most people don't realize he doesn't do that much writing i mean he wrote close encounters of the third kind um, I think he wrote AI. He wrote The Goonies, which he didn't even direct. 
And that's pretty much it. I mean, most movies, he just hires somebody else to write it. Now, obviously, this being kind of his own personal story, he was more involved in it. Uh, I, I, I knew a lot of this. A lot of this is like, okay, if you've ever read anything on Spielberg or seen any interviews, you know, like the, the films he's made, this is similar. The places he's grown up. I mean, a lot of the movies he's made, you're like, oh, okay, this is why he made E.T. in that location because this is where he grew up. But the personal story, I guess, about the family is something that's only really been told in recent years. And there was, um, I think it was an HBO documentary that came out maybe two, three years ago um, that was just called Spielberg. And that actually went into the real story behind this, you know, the family drama, which I don't know, we don't want to spoil too much of it, but uh, people can kind of get what we're talking about uh, already, but characters you shouldn't like or should not like. But uh, uh, basically something happened in his family and him and his sisters knew nothing about this uh, until like he was very, very grown adult. And, and Spielberg basically says he can go back and watch a lot of his early movies where he has characters with daddy issues and close encounters of the third kind and E.T. A lot of these movies he writes in kind of the absentee father Jurassic because Park. that's Jurassic Park. Yeah, there's another one like and it was all the way throughout his adult life where he sort of blamed his father for the breakup of his family. And in the end, he finds out, no, it's actually kind of mom's fault. But he only found this out after his mother was dead and his father being the nicest guy in the world said, I didn't want you to look down on your mom in any way. You know, there's yeah. a similar scene in that in Top Gun as well uh, about Meg Ryan character. But uh, that's what I found so interesting about this. This is almost like Spielberg's apology to his father, where he's like, I didn't treat you so well. I didn't think of you very highly. You did nothing wrong. And I want to kind of make this movie as an apology because what changes in this movie is all the stuff that Spielberg himself didn't find out until he was like, I don't know, in his 40s or 50s. He finds out in this movie, and then that's where this movie becomes more fiction. It's like, what if I actually knew at the time? Mm. What would have been different with my relationship with both parents? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good way of doing it. And I think I like went into this when I sort of knew what it was. Like, I think maybe you do expect that you're going to just sort of see the, the standard biopic journey that, you know, maybe this ends with him like walking into his office. Oh, I've got an office now. And there's a script. What's this? Jaws. Oh, and it's like, roll credits. <laughs> and like, or like, you know, there's sort of like that element where you're going to see him like, you know, from rags, like an Elvis, like, you know, here he is, you know, yeah. performing at a fair and next minute, you know, he's, he's the number one, like kind of seeing that journey that you do see in these movies. But like, that's where it's like, it sticks to that simplistic sort of like, he's it only really follows him to what the beginning of college. So what, he's only going to be like 18, 19. So, mm. and then, yeah, kind of having that background of him with his family because I think, yeah, if you – we always talk about some of these creators. We talked a lot about it on our Lost coverage about, you know, clearly Damon Lindelof and that obviously had some pretty, you know, deep parental issues and uh, certain, you know, other creators and that where it's like, well, clearly they've got some parental issues. And I guess if you and I were famous filmmakers, we'd relate to that, you know. We have yeah. things around our own parents growing up that I'm sure would seep into our own, you know, movies and stuff Get like off the that. car, Mom! Yeah, exactly. Get off the car franchise starring <laughs> Meg Ryan. I don't know. What, who, who does your mum look like? I, I just went with Meg Ryan because you mentioned I don't, her. I don't know. Uh, Let's say Meg Ryan. Then. I don't know. I can't think of anybody. <laughs> yeah, how is Meg Ryan doing? We haven't heard from her in a while. Is she okay? Uh, <laughs> I mean, hey. <laughs> they cut her from Top Gun. She's not doing good. <laughs> We've got a couple of Meg Ryan movies coming this year. So, um, oh yeah, multiples. I think we've done Meg Ryan before. Have we? Well, I mean, I, I say have we? <laughs> I know I personally haven't. I think I remember Meg Ryan, <laughs> but um, I don't think we've done a Meg Ryan film before. I like Meg Ryan. She's she's good. Simple name, yeah. Meg and Ryan. Like <laughs> you know, I never usually trust people with two first names, but Meg Ryan, I do. Just saying, I trust Meg Ryan. Um, but. 
I lost my point. This is a good movie. <laughs> yeah. not in this movie. Uh, I want to talk about some of my issues with this movie as well. Um, Please I'll, do, I'll Colin. Start with, <laughs> I'll start with the ending because the thing is, the issues I have with this movie, it's not that the scenes don't work. It's that there are several moments as Spielberg, I guess, was trying to figure out how do I wrap up this movie where it suddenly becomes very Hollywood and it's like, well, now this doesn't quite feel as real as it was before. Um, the main thing is there. there's a scene that happens between him and his mom. And I'm watching that scene and I'm like, I'm ready to applaud. I'm sitting in the theater. I think I'm the only person there. And I, I'm going to be people that Ben hates. I'm going to be applauding at the end of the movie. If you're by <laughs> yourself, it doesn't matter. If you're screaming, you can yeah. not just teenagers. Fuck off. I mean, that scene ends and I'm basically ready to applaud. I'm like, whoa, what an ending. Like, that's how you end a movie. And then it's like, oh, they're still going. Okay, let's see where they go with this. And then there's like, all right, there's a couple of scenes and there's a scene with his father. I'm like, oh, that's good too. Not quite not quite as good as the first ending. I still like it, but not quite as good as the first ending. And then it's like, all right, we, we can be in over now. And then they get the last scene, which by the way is a very entertaining scene with you know the cameo and everything you talked about. But it's going on and on and on. I'm like, okay, this is a very good scene, but like, what is this? This isn't mm-hmm. the end. Th- th- this story has ended. You have wrapped up what this movie was about. And now it feels like you just want to tack on this scene because everybody's got to know that, that this is where he started in the movie industry. And that's where it kind of lost me. And, and I hate to say that because that scene is very entertaining and particularly the way it ends. The final shot of this movie is a work of it's clever. brilliance. Very clever. <laughs> it's very brilliant. Yeah. But it's like, but this isn't the movie I was just watching. And that's where, okay, Spielberg, you just don't know how to end it. So that's one of the issues I have is you have this trilogy of endings that each kind of progressively I liked less and less. And then the other thing is, um, I guess also along the lines of when they're trying to wrap up the story, you know, there's there's stuff with him and a bully and the stuff with the bullies. I mean, I, this did happen, but again, it feels like very dramatized. And there's this scene which is played very well by the actor, particularly the actor who's playing the young Spielberg is played very well. Um, it's very satisfying as far as drama goes. But again, it feels so like this is cliche. This is how you have to wrap up a story where I'm almost rolling my eyes at that point because I'm like, this isn't what the movie's been. This movie has been very grounded in reality. It feels very cinematic, but the story, the script and everything, the events feel very grounded in reality. And now you're going to have, this is like a fantasy sequence. So this is where Spielberg's like, this is how I wish that my high school years would have ended. And I just didn't buy it. Yeah, like I, I totally get the ending, but the ending was a bit odd, even though that shot was amazing. I, like, I just, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I say I'm a Spielberg fan, but I'm, I'm that cliche Spielberg fan who's just seen the big ones and probably haven't really focused. Yeah, exactly. But like I still, everyone I've seen, I've enjoyed except for Lincoln. But like it, for the most part, uh, Lincoln, Spielberg kind of just does your cliche type movies. Like he's not really experimental, Mm -hmm. right? Like he's not going to do these things. He's been criticized for that. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's kind of where some of those things don't really like, you're just like, well, it's a Spielberg film. Of course he's going to have like this cliche bit. I do. I will say the bully bit though. There was the one line I fucking love it, like, the scene. And I, I really, like, it is, I was confused in that sort of, um, what is it, like, the prom sequence or the uh, under the sea dance or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where, like, kind of he's showing this film and he's kind of showing the guy in a positive light and he's getting angry. I'm like, hey, why is he getting angry at this? But then it's a really good mm-hmm. scene explaining that. But, yeah. like, I do like the line when, like, he's like, you must never tell anybody about this ever again. He's like, well, unless I make a movie about it. I was like, oh, I'm joking. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm wondering like if that bit really happened and if like that bully's out there watching this going, Spielberg! Um, yeah. Which would be fucking hilarious. You hear in like a week's time, Steven Spielberg was beaten to a pulp by a high school bully of his. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, like 
the ending definitely was a bit odd, but I, I don't. There was nothing to me out of that that like annoyed me. I don't think anything in this really annoyed me. I mean, Judd Hirsch, like great scene, but it's an amazing scene. Yeah, but that, that, that's that's this entire movie is that there are things in this movie that it's like ah, oh, I don't like that you did that, but you pulled it off if it was its own thing like that. And I I I kind of agree with you with the you know the, the cliche and the, the corniness because Spielberg some of his best movies have been criticized for that. He leans too much into like this this fairy tale corniness and that suits the Spielberg movie. Again, if, if that was what the rest of the movie was. And I think yeah, why I really liked true. so much about this movie is that it didn't feel that way. Like the scene with Seth Rogen and giving him the video camera, like mm. that's just, it, it's so natural. It's not like this is how the Hollywood ending of it is, but yeah, like, let's talk about judge Hirsch. Judd Hirsch stole Paul Dano's Oscar nomination. He stole uh Gabriel LaBelle, the, the kid yeah, who plays, Canadian, uh, by the way. Yeah, I stole both their Oscar nominations. I mean, he should have Even been a Seth lead Rogen. actor. Seth Rogen, yeah. I mean, and I, I love Judd Hirsch. How can we not love Judd Hirsch? He's Judd Hirsch. Uh, but he is in one scene of this movie. And yes, it is a long scene, but it just, it screams of, we have to give an Oscar nomination because he's Judd Hirsch and he showed up for a movie like this and he had this big dynamic scene. And let's ignore the fact there are so many other better actions in the movie like Paul Dano, Oh. Joe, he should have been nominated for should've the Batman. Been. He should have been nominated for this. There Will Be Blood, the movie that uh, Daniel Lewis won the Oscar for. Paul Dano, that kind of Little Miss Sunshine and that were his breakthrough movies. He was, what, like 23 years old or something like that when he made There Will Be Blood? And I'm telling you, he may steal that movie from Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, where is this guy? He's never been nominated for an Oscar. Paul Dano is so overdue. I just want to say one thing. The one thing I didn't buy about Paul Dano is like he's just he's just got such a baby face. So I didn't buy him as a father. Like I mean, this, yeah, I know. The whole and yet movie he is and, old enough, right? Yeah, he's like thirty-eight or something. He's nearly forty, but like it kind of annoys me that like he's just so like, look at his little Paul Dano face, and I'm yeah. like, he's not a dad, but like you're yeah. right. Like, but and the opposite with Judd Hirsch, he's got to be like nine hundred and three by now, Judd Hirsch. But like he looks, <laughs> yeah, he looks the same as he did in Independence Day. I'm like, is this guy aged in thirty years? Like I thought he was dead. Um, again, he's Judd Hirsch. He's amazing. What an actor. But like. It's just, it's literally one scene. And I literally spent the second half of this movie going, well, Judd Hirsch is coming back. He got nominated yeah. for an Oscar. They can't nominate him for one scene. But there he is. Um, but yeah, Paul Dano is so good. Gabriel Bell is so good. I mean, we talked about, um, uh, I've gone blank on his name. Clearly he's so memorable from Ant-Man. Um, uh, Peter Sarsgaard? <laughs> no, uh, Kang. Um, what's his oh, name? Oh, Jonathan Majors. Thank yeah. you. How good he is and what a star he is. I mean, Gabriel LaBelle was amazing in this movie, and I'm looking here at his yeah. filmography. He's not really been in much, so I, I can't imagine he's not going to go into bigger and better things. But, I mean, how was he not nominated? Like, like he's yeah. really good, and he's got a bigger role in this film than anybody else. I mean, Michelle Williams is great. I think her nomination is is deserving. Um, but, like, yeah, like, how does Paul Dano not get nominated? Like, you're right. Like, And even the Batman, again, argument there, should be nominated for the Batman. But it's just, it's so disappointing to see that but again he's judd hirsch he's great but really one scene judd like i don't know yeah if if, if it was it a year where you're stretching you're trying to find nominees and sometimes you do get those years where it's like well there's not a lot of competition out there like oh this person was snubbed it's like yeah you mentioned one person was snubbed because that's all there is this is a year where you have a lot of competition paul dano alone could have made up half of this category in 2022 uh, and looking right now, I mean, this movie has been nominated. If you go through all the different many awards that this has been up for, 
Um, Judd Hirsch has been one of the only people who's actually won an award for this movie. He won the AARP Movies for Grown Up oh, Awards okay. for Best Supporting Actor. So the old people's award. Joe Biden wins <laughs> yeah. that every year. Go, Joe! Go! <laughs> Uh, but I mean, we, we have to at least give the mention of Michelle Williams because yeah, she's this great. is a girl who started on Dawson's Creek and she's been nominated for, I think this is like her second or third. I mean, I know she was nominated for um, that Casey Affleck movie. Wasn't she nominated uh, many... for um, uh, Brokeback? Was she in Brokeback where she met Heath Ledger? She was, yeah. I think she was nominated for that too. Uh, so looking right now, she's been nominated for an Oscar. Wow. Uh, this is her fifth nomination. She was ah. nominated for Brokeback Mountain. Blue Valentine, My Week with Marilyn, much better Marilyn Monroe biopic than the Anna Darmus one, Manchester by the Sea, and now The Fablemans. This is her second time as, uh, third time as Best Actress. So five nominations. She's like Amy and, Adams, Glenn Close. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get nominated for anything you do. But I mean, it's deserved in this movie. Yeah. And she has probably the toughest character to play too. I mean, Paul Dano is a very, you, you know what you're getting with him from the beginning. I mean, her character is really all over the place. And you have to not be able to see where some of the things are coming from. And like you said, I think the best testament to her performance is the fact like she is not the good guy in this movie. But yet there are times where you actually kind of really feel for her. I always feel, well, I feel for Michelle Williams in, in person because she's kind of, I guess, in Australia always is like the the woman that was with Heath Ledger. And she kind of yeah. got like a bad rap around his death because she's, look, how many kids they have? They had a couple of kids, didn't they? I think only so, one. Well, but like, I just, I feel she always got like such a negative viewpoint in the media around his death. And I just, I just, this, this weird image of Michelle Williams in Australia, where I feel like, you know, she just kind of was painted with a negative brush. And I always feel bad for her because she didn't kill him. Like, I mean, like, you yeah. know, she was there and she's the mother of his children. And she always seems like such a genuinely nice person. So, and everything I've seen her in, which I don't think is much, she's in The Greatest Showman, wasn't she? Yeah. Um, like, she's always been really good. Um, yeah. So. I mean, she'd be one like like an Amy Amy Adams, like you know. Uh, um, uh, why have I gone blank on his name? Um, fuck. Um, Brandon Fraser. Props no, to Brandon no, Fraser. Well, props to him. But no. Um. Oh, why have I gone blank? He's very Bradley Cooper. Thank you. Um, like oh. always nominated, and you just want them to win something eventually. Um, like what, where's the Michelle Williams, Amy Adams, uh, Bradley Cooper, not won an Oscar campaign like Leonardo. He only was nominated like three or four times, wasn't he, before he won. These guys have been nominated five. Glenn Close? Fucking hell, don't get me started. But yeah, she's great in this movie. Again, for someone that you're not really meant to like, there are just certain scenes like, yeah, there's scenes between her and Gabriella Bella are really good. You, it's a believable movie in the fact that despite Paul Dano looking too young to be a dad, it's a great family. Like it's, yeah. I think we talked about that in Marriage Story, how you believe that Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver are married and, like, you know, it's realistic problems they're having. Whereas this, it's like, it's, it feels like a real family. And the, the two young girls, well, three young girls, I guess, there's three sisters, isn't there? They're really good as well. And I don't know if they're getting any credit. Like, And I'm the one to criticize children. You know, you're an annoying child, you fucking get out of my movie. But these are, like, children actors who are really good, really believable, and you oh. really just believe this is, like, a family Unit. Let's not forget the girlfriend too. Like she's oh, yeah. she's out there. <laughs> That's a fun character. Yeah, and the other girl, the um, the the friend of the girlfriend. The, oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all great, and the bully, like the bully, the two bullies. It's kind of like two yeah. bullies, isn't there? Um, and the mother, the the one who's always sitting there at the table. Oh, um, the grandmother, yeah. Yeah, the grandmother. Uh, yeah, there's there's not oh, really a bad a person. And Greg Grunberg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Uh, we'll go through the, the nominations here. First, I just wanted to go through Spielberg's filmography because 
I think every year when Spielberg puts out a movie, he seems to get nominated for best director or it gets nominated for best he'll picture. Feel free. He'll fill He'll <laughs> fill. Yeah, volume three coming soon. Uh, but like starting with War Horse, like what? Oh, like how did that, that or movie. him get nominated? Oh, I hate that movie. Lincoln, bad. Bridge of Spies, okay, but there's issues with it. The Post, okay, but there's issues with it. West Side Story last year was like, okay, I was surprised how good that movie was, but like does he deserve to get nominated for best director? This is one time where I feel like it's deserved. I mean, that's the the, the nominations it has. The, there's picture, there's director, um, there is actress for Michelle Williams, talk about supporting actor for Judd Hirsch, screenplay for Spielberg and Tony Kushner. I mean, I think this would technically be Spielberg's first nomination ever for a writing, because I don't think he got nominated for the Goonies or Poltergeist or uh, <laughs> yeah, is, for screenplay. I'm looking, he's been not this is 22 nominations for the Oscars, and everything else has just come in best picture and director. This is his yeah. first. 22, but he's only ever won three. That's not a very good strike rate, old Stephen. Well, I, I took until Schindler's List for him to win, and then I think he won again for... Um, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan, yeah. Uh, but then we get John Williams just getting nominated because he's John Williams for original score. Like, I don't think... Isn't we've talked about so many score? of the original scores. It's not. like, And here's the thing. I I go through... Every single year, I like to go through, oh, here's all the, the big movies or the big scores from this year. I'll put together a playlist of, like, what are the best tracks and best scores... I listened to the entire soundtrack of the Fablemans. I'm like, none of this mu- music stands out for me. And he's nominated because he's John Williams, to be honest. But then production design, like for a movie that's mostly taking place inside houses and stuff like that, like they earned their nomination for production design on this one. But uh, anything it could potentially win. I think Michelle Williams is like <sighs> at one point considered a front runner for actress, but I although she's, she's fallen back she's now. Out of it yeah, now. yeah. that's a Blanchett, Michelle Yeoh race, I think. Um, I mean, maybe... If Judd Hirsch got the old people's award, I don't know. Like it's of all the acting categories, is best supporting actor the most? I know, I know, Key Hugh Kwan has dominated in a way, but I feel that's sort yeah. of yeah. I don't know. Like it's maybe this is again similar to what we we're talking about yesterday with Banshees. It is one that doesn't win uh, anything. Uh, production design maybe, but like yeah, I mean John Williams again just gets nominated, and we love John Williams. Saw a great clip recently of um, two kids obviously lived near where he lived. So they just stood outside his house and started playing Star Wars music. And he came out and said like, oh, good job. And like took a photo <laughs> with him. So good for him. And it's a very simple house, John Williams. Simple man. Simple house. Good for him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I haven't, I'll be honest with you. I haven't really been paying attention to the director category. Um, so uh, I, I think th- it's just assumed that Daniels are winning at this point. I mean, I'd love to see Steven Spielberg win because I mean, again, you think well, you think these guys won everything, but as I said, twenty-two nominations, and he's only ever won Best Director twice. And you got to go back, you know, more than twenty years uh, that he's won Best Director. It's, it's kind of like when Meryl Streep won for um, Iron Lady. Like it had been a while since she had won an Oscar, hadn't it? Her third. Yeah. So like, kind of people just assume, oh, she wins everything. But I think if you look at her strike rate, it's just she gets nominated all the fucking time, and just you got to win one eventually. So, um, you know, he could sneak into Best Director maybe. This is consecutive years for him being nominated, which is that the first time he's ever, oh, no, back in 82, 83, he got Raiders of the Lost Ark followed by E.T. So first consecutive, oh, no, oh, no, no, he didn't get nominated for Best Director for War Horse. So, yeah, first time consecutive Best Director nominations for him in uh, nearly, or in 40 years. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, every year, where he gets nominated for best picture or best director, I should say it, it always seems to come down to, Oh, you know what? I think that they're going to get best picture of this movie, but they'll probably split it and give best director to Spielberg. Just to see Spielberg. They, they said that about war horse. They said that about Lincoln. They said it about uh, the, the, I don't think it was on the post the West side story last year. There was a lot of talk that, Oh, well he might win for best director just because he's Steven Spielberg. So 
I think this is the movie I'd be least upset with him winning it for. Uh, although I really don't think like that's something that you often hear. This person should be awarded for everything. I remember the uh, the Harry Potter movies. People were saying, well, Harry Potter, the final Harry Potter movie should have been nominated for Best Picture just as a way of awarding the entire franchise. I'm like, okay, so all these other movies that are getting nominated for Best Picture the first time, like yeah. they should be beaten by something because they had seven movies that preceded this. I'm not really for that, but I think this is the best work he's done as a director in a very long time. Munich? Uh, Munich Munich is another movie. I think that was sort of the beginning of his downfall. Where it's I like, like Munich. 80% of that movie really worked, but then there's another 20% that it's like, yeah, I don't know if you needed to do it like this. Eric Banner, the Olympics. Oh, Eric Banner was great. Daniel Craig, great. Daniel Craig uh, but, in that uh, movie. I think we've talked yeah, about this that before. Was just um, before Bond. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of his better ones. But I mean, from that point on, it's sort of going downhill a little bit. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm buying this movie. Me too. Uh, I'm buying it with enthusiasm, which has been a long time. Enthusiasm. I've been enthusiastic about a Spielberg movie. Uh, ranking it though, I mean, this, I don't know if it was surprising or not, but I mean, this is going to be at this point just ahead of Avatar, way ahead of Avatar as far as I'm concerned. Just ahead but, of Avatar. Uh, what? <laughs> I'm ranking this below Women Talking, Banshees, uh, Top Gun, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, I think uh, I am on the same page. I'm just going to double check. You're ranking that. it lower, lower than Women Talking? No. Victory uh, for women talking? <laughs> no, so what are we? Six films in. So Top Gun, number one, still. Everything All at Once, two. Banshees, number three. Fableman's, four. Avatar, five. And Women Talking, six. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. That's, You're wrong on one of those. Uh, Avatar should be higher. No, um, yeah. I, I, would, <laughs> I, I think that... You know, again, I could watch this movie again, but like, uh, you know, I don't think we really talked much about it yesterday. Ban- Banshees is like the shortest film of this month, isn't it? I think. Uh, no, I Women think Talking so. is 90 minutes. Oh, God, fuck me if Women Talking was two and a half hours. But like, one issue I definitely have with the Oscars this year is like eight out of the 10 movies are two and a half hours long. Um, mm. Some of them it's fine because it goes by pretty quickly. But like, I mean, why do we need to have two and a half hour movies that aren't epic blockbusters you know like it's just yeah it does like i i watched this for like an hour and then like came back the next day to watch it and i didn't watch this in one sitting i think this is the only one i didn't watch in one sitting but um it's still enjoyable but anyway uh what was that fourth out of six for me right now all right and up next is tar tar? the australian way of saying thank you tar (laughs) tar all right tar is coming tomorrow (laughs) um (laughs) that's so australian to me um this is the movie that i was most interested to hear ben's opinion on uh because i kind of predict you you might surprise me tomorrow i don't know but i kind of predicted when i watched this i'm like ben's gonna hate this my reason for that is because i talked jamie into watching this and women talking with me women talking she was surprised she's like wow i really love that movie tar she refused to finish Mm -hmm. and i finished this movie on my own and i kept telling her it's like Oh yeah, you know, you might actually have been a little bit more interested if you stuck with the movie. She said, nope, no interest, don't care. It was terrible. Um, but I'm curious to hear what you think about it. Do you want me to tell you now? Or just wait till tomorrow. Like, I mean, what let's is... wait till tomorrow because okay. tomorrow for us will be in about five minutes. I watched Tar, and I will yes. tell you if I'm saying Tar, thank you, or Tar, fuck you. I'll, I'll tell you if I got through the whole thing tomorrow. So, um, that's tomorrow. Tar, Tar tomorrow. Kate Blanchett and. Well, that's pretty much it. That's all the movie is. It's her talking. Hey, this is Julian w- Glover. Woman talking. The Oz Network. Oh, that's right. Julian Glover. Yeah. I forgot Sh- he was in I it. I didn't even know he was in it when he rocked up. Ah, hey, you know what? There he is. Christados. There I'm, he is. 
I'm excited when we get to um uh what's it called um triangle of sadness i'm interested if there's an actor that we talked for several hours about that if you picked up there on the in the movie or not woody harrelson maybe you didn't <laughs> no no i mean well we talked about him for hours i'll talk about him all day but uh yeah there was some somebody else uh, somebody in star wars that was in triangle of sadness uh but uh, i didn't realize natalie Pullman was, was she the triangle she was, <laughs> she was the sadness because <laughs> you know she has to cry if she's in a movie um yeah, that will be well, coming up. Actually, not tomorrow. But. I want to say tomorrow, uh, big Natalie Portman connection to Tar, at least in my opinion. Um, so we'll get to that. Did Natalie Portman get cancelled? I'm hoping. She would never get cancelled. She's on the woke train. Come on. She's what? she's done enough to get cancelled in the past. That's kind she's of shocking. Natalie Portman. <laughs> Come on, Leroy. <laughs> uh, yes, we will talk about Tar tomorrow and finally solve the riddle of does Ben like this or hate it? Um, listen to whatever else we have coming out. What day are we on right now, Ben? Uh, it is a day of the week that involves calendars and days. Um, this is the day of Monday, and uh, oh, 24, 24 is out today as well. So uh, tune in for that. Hope you enjoyed it. And all it those Joe Biden jokes that we've been making the last two days, you might yeah. get if you listen to our 24 <laughs> episodes today. And uh, I, Go! Just, I would like to formally apologize for the 24 episode today as well. I'll just put that out in the record. <laughs> yeah, as you should. Yeah. Um, my name is Colin, and I've started therapy. Oh, shit, a quote. Uh, my name is Ben, and hey, I'm Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes, yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)